Is it possible for those of us at this church to be fundamentalist in our religious beliefs? Sure? Someone's shaking their head, someone's saying sure. Is it possible for a Unitarian Universalist to be a fundamentalist? I've been mulling over the question because uh, last fall, I asked this congregation to submit whatever concerns they had that were most pressing on their heart and to put, put it into the form of a short question. So I've been working my way through those questions. They're damn fine and challenging. And the one today is, can religion advance, interrupt, that's the word, can religion interrupt fundamentalism, rising fundamentalism? That person had an opinion that fundamentalism is increasing. So I've been mulling that over and thinking, well, is it possible for us to be fundamentalist? And it is a, a, a technical word, in a sense, a very narrowly defined word when it comes to Christianity or modern Christianity. There was a um, Bible conference, a Niagara Bible conference at the turn of the last century, early, late 1800s. And at that conference, they spelled out what they thought were the five critical, fundamental tenets of being a Christian. And that is, the Bible is inerrant, infallible, the truth. That Jesus was born a virgin of a virgin, Virgin Mary. That his works throughout his lifetime, the miracles, were real that he died to atone for the sins of humanity and that his afterlife, the resurrection, was again true, infallible. So it's those five tenets that, if we use the word Christian fundamentalism, is likely what we're meaning. And those got codified by, at the turn of the last century by the owner of a, or the founder of Union Oil who paid for a scholarship and published five different books that spelled out all these details. So when someone asks about rising fundamentalism and religion and we're here in Tulsa, Oklahoma which is primarily Christian that's one thing they could be asking. Can religion interrupt what someone has already said is this narrow definition. But we use fundamentalism in so many different ways. It's that returning to the fundamental, going back to what we imagine to be some purer, more perfect time. Those of you who are here at 10 o'clock, you got to hear Brandon Scott talk about who might have really founded Christianity. Was it Jesus? And it's interesting that these five tenets are only 100 years old. So I think fundamentalism is a narrowing, a purifying, an effort to... Uh, and Brandon Scott used a, another adjective I hadn't thought about. It's a way of saying who's in and who's out. Are you following the fundamentals? 
But where do those fundamentals come from? I'm interested. Uh, I shouldn't have done this. It was a mistake. But I read the paper before I came to church. <laughs> Darn it. Because <laughs> I was going to talk about this effort to put the Ten Commandments on the um, Capitol lawn and how that's actually a fundamentalist move. But what's interesting about it is it's a move back to the Old Testament or the, the Hebrew Testament. But it, it is, again, that slice of, so the Bible is inerrant. And even though those Ten Commandments are not something that Jesus talked about, that's where some of our legislators would like us to look back upon. Well, I, you know, I'm, it, it's easy to make... Uh, light of their desire but I it does make me it brings up all those issues of fundamentalism so which ten commandments do they know that there are at least two in the bible two versions in exodus is one and over time there are now three different denominational versions so there's the Jewish set of Ten Commandments, which if anyone who drives by uh, Temple Israel by Utica Square, they have their Ten Commandments on the outside of their wall. And then there's the Protestant, Christian, but Protestant Ten Commandments, and the Catholic Ten Commandments, and they're all different. They're the same, but they're different. And if you're going to base it on the Bible... The Bible has thousands of translations. So it's not as if the Ten Commandments are so cut and dried. But I do like imagining, so what is putting that on our capital lawn going to do? Does that mean we, we get to dispense with the caverns full of laws and policies and winnow them down to these ten, or the ones that fit these ten? So does that mean... What are the Ten Commandments in Thou Shalt Not Kill? How does that fit in with Stand Your Ground? Or, okay, let's talk about capital punishment. What, uh, where does that fit in? So what do our legislators really want to do? And it's easy to make fun of them. It's, a, it's, it's, it's what fundamentalism often is. It's a power move. But I think we also should take fundamentalism and fundamentalists seriously as a critique. I think every fundamentalist turn is a critique that says, you know, something is not right here. I don't know what it is, but I think back then things were so much better, and if only we'd go back there, we could fix what's wrong here. And I think that's worth looking at every time a fundamentalist speaks or acts. What is it they really are concerned about? And I, I'd make the case, I won't go into specific, I'd make the case that often those concerns might concern us. We are a violent society. There is a lot of coveting of other material goods and neighbors. But um, I, it, this sermon made me pull out a book that 
uh, I think about a lot called Terror in the Mind of God by Mark Jurgensmeyer. And he's a sociologist. And what he's researching and looking into is the violent expression of religious extremism. So it's kind of a subset of fundamentalism. And he's talking about religious violence as a form of theater to catch our attention. And of course, to create terror. But one of the roles of fundamentalism and this narrowing of one's belief is it actually energizes the whole spectrum of of movement. So he tells a story about a young man in Palestine who is a waiter, uh, and he says, so a young man in Gaza worked as a waiter at a seaside cafe, and although he wasn't a member of Hamas, the radical Palestinian group, he said he was really glad it existed. He actually supported the movement because he thought it kept Yasser Arafat more Islamic, more aggressive towards Israel. So the fundamentalist movements, wherever they may be, are like yeast or like the bubbles in your soda. They give it life. They they help focus everything else. You may not agree with it, but I have to tell you, putting the capital putting on the capital the Ten Commandments has created dialogue and thoughts about so what does it all mean? Let me read a little bit of Jurgis Meyer. He says the strident religious movements that have formed as a response to cultures of violence throughout the world are remarkably similar. Fundamentalism is remarkably similar, whether it's Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Sikh. What they have in common are three things. First, they've rejected the compromises with liberal values. They've rejected the secular institutions. Second, they refuse to observe the boundaries that secular society has imposed upon religion. Rather than keeping it private, fundamentalism and religious violence wants it public out there. We have to have that monument on the Capitol steps. It's not enough that people have it in their homes and their Bibles. It has to be out there. And they've replaced what they regard as weak modern substitutes with the more vibrant and demanding forms of religion that they imagine to be part of their religion's beginnings. Again, who can actually say which part of history we're going to head back to? There is no simple history, no no way to really all agree on what is fundamental, what was fundamental in Christianity. So I say that's true. Well, my question about are we, as Unitarian Universalists, are we, can we be fundamentalists? So my question is, what, what documents or point in history would we go back to? Would we go back to the Reformation when Luther said, hmm, something is 
really wrong with the Catholic Church, although it wasn't Catholic then, with the church? Or would we go back to the Mayflower Compact, which is the core of our covenant? It's our agreeing to be together and valuing the relationships rather than our beliefs. Is that, will we go back to that? Or maybe we'll go back to the transcendentalists who said, you know, we should take into account our own experiences and beliefs. So maybe that's our fundamental. Well, no, no. Because then a group of people said, wait, 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 we should really value our mind. So, we, so maybe our founding document that we belong back to is the Humanist Manifesto. Well, except there are at least three iterations of the Humanist Manifesto. So I think there's something about our tradition that makes it almost impossible to be a fundamentalist because we are founded in change and founded in evolution. There isn't a single point in time or single document or single historical movement. Um, A theologian I enjoy following, he has a blog called Sightings. He's been a professor at the University of Chicago for 40 years. And uh, his life work is about fundamentalism. And one of his points of fundamentalism is that while it is an effort to go back to the past, it actually is always, always an innovation. It's always, well, and think about it. Even if, we, even if you could accurately bring the past forward, we are different, our, our lives are different, our technology is different, how we organize ourselves. So you, you can't really apply the fundamentals in the same way they were used or applied in the past. So they become this critique of what's going on and actually an innovation which is why there was a Bible conference thousands of years after Christianity was born to say, wait, 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 this is what it means to be Christian. Um, So the question at hand is this rise of fundamentalism, the rise of a narrowing of a claiming the past is where the truth lay and that's how we should act today. Can religion, since it comes out of religion, although fundamentalism can exist in any human institution or social network or philosophical treatise, can religion be used to interrupt rising religious fundamentalism? And I have to turn to another theologian. Reinhold Niebuhr was doing his work during World War II when a lot of Christians were saying, wait, Christianity did not help us in World War II. It failed miserably. It allowed concentration camps and the rise of a series of nationalist movements. So he struggles with that 
aspect of Christianity. And he talks about not just Christianity, but a lot of religions can make absolute ideas in the guise of what is political selfish ends. So religion tends to make dichotomies, either or. You're either in or you're out, just like fundamentalism. You're either in or you're out. He said that is an aspect of religion, but the other side of religion is it serves as a means of binding us together. Yes, there are a lot of other ways we could be bound together. Everyone who likes dark beer, we could all get together. Or, But what the, the other part that religion provides is what he calls a, a divine madness. And it's our ability to imagine the world in a different way, better. Which, again, is what fundamentalism is critiquing. But we're able to imagine that groups of people who don't believe the same, haven't had the same experiences, can sit together and work together. And that actually through some process of talking to each other and listening, we can take action together to feed the homeless or create a place where people can hike in the beautiful woods. We can consider eradicating poverty and dealing with those who are hungry. So we have this divine madness, this religious imagination. And that's the tempering part of religion and of our particular progressive religion that really would interrupt the narrowing of fundamentalism. So whatever will crack open that narrowing can address the rising fundamentalism in our world. So I make the case that we cannot be fundamentalists, and part of our role is to show how it is possible to be broad and wide and open-hearted and open-minded. And if we view it as a battle, it may feel like we're losing, but if you view it as all the seeds that we plant the children that we're raising down in RE, that we are addressing the rise of fundamentalism. And may it be so. We give away our plate every 